Father, may your word be spoken, not mine. May hearts and minds be open to your leading. Father, your word is such a wonderful thing that you've given us, that we may know who you are, that we may know what you require of us. May we be obedient to it, obedient joyfully, not because we feel we have to, but because we want to. As it is explained, may it be clear, may it indict us, may it encourage us, but above all, having heard it, may we go forth in obedience to do your word as you require of us. Through Christ's name we pray, amen. Again, I say it's always a joy to worship with God's people. Brothers and sisters that I know I can do battle with, and I take pleasure in doing battle with, because we are prepared to search God's word. And as James says, not only be the man that looks in the mirror and then looks away, and change, but we look in the mirror and we go away, knowing what we've seen in the mirror and doing what we have to do. We are at a critical time in our society. And make no mistake of it, we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. Not that this has changed through the ages. There's always been that friction, that conflict between Satan and our Lord. But what we need to be careful of is that we don't fall into that false sense of security where we think that all is well, that the persecuted church is a church far away, that it's in Asia and it's in China, it's in some place in Saudi Arabia, but the persecuted church is right here. And if we don't believe that, and if we can't see that, we need to open our eyes, because we've got blinders on. We need to listen to the commands, to the orders of our Commander-in-Chief. It's in his word, and we have to obey it without question. And we have to forget about what's comfortable for us, what's convenient for us, what's safe for us, and those things that we want to keep secure that prevent us from doing what the Lord requires of us. It may seem like a tall order, but as Christians, we are commanded to do that. Really, as a mark of our Christianity is our obedience. And for some time, I've been very burdened with the state of affairs in our country and particularly the response and the expectations of us. And when I talk about Christians and Christendom, I'm talking about me included. What do we do when we're living in a world where it seems that everything apparently is in opposition 
to the Word of God. And it becomes more and more apparent. And the reason why I took, I used the title of my teaching tonight is because when I heard it, I said, you know what? This really very, very concisely describes the state of affairs in our country. And it's not a political statement, even though it may be made by a politician. And what was said was, among other things, the church will teach and the church will preach. We will govern. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that statement. But how will we govern? Are we going to govern accordingly? Or are we just govern? And this has nothing to do, it's not nothing I should say. This is not only as it relates to what happens in Parliament. But how do we govern ourselves as Christians in light of what's happening around us? When we come to a service like this and we hear God's word and we are challenged to do what God requires of us and we are challenged to be obedient, are we in fact obedient? Or is there some fear that if we are obedient, this will happen or that will happen, and we don't want it to? For the unsaved, that's understood. But for those of us who are redeemed, that's not satisfactory. That's not an option. There is a call to action in our nation right now. And as Christians, we are in a defining moment. And we have to decide, what are we going to do? And at the time this statement was made, I was actually in a study in James in Sunday school. And I really don't believe in coincidence. And when Brother Tommy called me and said, Brother Paul, I can't remember his exact words, but will you teach on such and such, well, tonight? And I said, yes. I was not sure what I ought to talk about, but I know it was burning. But with James, the study in James, the statements, the many statements that were coming out at that time, I felt the Lord was leading me to speak about this. And to use James as the basis for my teaching. Because I believe if we're going to teach what God requires, we need to teach from his word. And before I actually go into the book of James, I just want to give you a background of the book of James. Because James is writing, writing to the 12 tribes who were dispersed. They were scattered abroad. And this happened immediately after the martyrdom of Stephen. Stephen was martyred, and there was a scattering. The reason why? People were being persecuted. Why were they being persecuted? Because they stood for righteousness for what God wanted. Why was Stephen martyred? Let's take a look at Acts 7, 
51, to eight, 51 to, um, chapter 8, verse 4. And I'll read it. And see if you can draw some parallels to what's happening in our society today. You stiff-necked people. This is Paul talking to the leaders in Jerusalem. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. What are the things that they're hearing? They are hearing the word of God. They don't want to hear it because it tells them what they're doing wrong and they want to continue doing what they're doing because it's comfortable and they've been convinced. The enemy has put blinders on them. And they ground their teeth at him. They reacted. We don't want any of this. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Stephen taught, and Stephen preached, and those in power, they governed. But did they govern accordingly? And the question isn't whether they governed or not, whether they governed well or governed badly. But having heard the word of God, did they govern themselves accordingly? Are we as God's people, governing ourselves accordingly, having heard the word of God. And this is a question that we need to ask personally and collectively. As members of Calvary Bible Church, as members of the Worrell family, whichever family we're in, as businessmen, as politicians, as aspiring politicians, wherever we are, we need to ask that question. My life verse is Micah 6.8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, 
And what does the Lord require of thee? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. He has shown us what is good. What does the Lord require of you? I have to ask the very same question. What does the Lord require of me? You know, in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, all of the great men in the Old Testament, they always did one thing. No matter, I mean, David, no matter what he did badly, afterwards, he would inquire of the Lord. That's the one thing that characterized the great men in the Bible. They never stopped inquiring of the Lord. And it wasn't just for inquiry's sake. Because those who inquired of the Lord for inquiry's sake, they came to a very bad end. There's a man in the Bible you know, who wanted to go to war. Well, King Ahab wanted to go to war. And he called all the prophets and said, What say you? What say you? What say you? And all of them said, Go to war. But the king that he wanted on his side said, Isn't there someone else, a man of God? Why don't you inquire of him? What does he say? Oh, I don't want to inquire of him, because he never has anything good to say about me. He would rather stick his head in the mud than see what the Lord wanted. Let that not be said of us. Now, the book of James, and I want to get into James very quickly, is attributed to the brother of Jesus. And he was one of those that stayed in Jerusalem, the seat of persecution. With everybody else cut and run, he was one of those that stayed there. Now, I say cut and run because there may be various reasons why um, the people left. Some say it may have been cowardice because they didn't want to suffer death like Stephen. But others may say because they realized that the gospel might have been extinguished if they stayed there, so they went abroad. It really doesn't make a difference why they left, but they left. And some of us may be called to leave and go abroad. But those who stay, we have a role to play, just like James. Because James ran the risk of death every time he breathed. He definitely was going to be persecuted every time he woke up in the morning. But he decided it was worth staying. Why? Because this is where the Lord wants me to be. I personally feel this is where the Lord wants me to be. He wants me to be in Calvary Bible Church. He wants me to be in Nassau, Bahamas. Although I prefer to be in Eleuthera, Bahamas. But wherever we are called to be, we need to be there. Whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's unsafe, we need to be willing to be there. This is our time. Not only do our lives depend upon it, not only does the glory of God, will it be affected by it, but our children will be affected by it. 
What is the legacy that we want to leave behind? That we were cowards and we were silent when the word of God was being made fun of, when it was being suppressed, simply because we wanted to protect that little that we had in the first place, that house that we just got, that job that we think that someone other than God is in control of. that reputation that we have. We don't want to be kind of as one of those fanatical Christians. But we'd rather not, be, not stand up and be heard for being, as being righteous. Or even, are we willing to support those who want to stand up for righteousness' sake? How often has a pastor stood up, stated the word of God, looked behind them, and the congregation's not there. Let that not be said of us. But anyway, James, he wrote to the church scattered. And he wrote a letter because he wanted them to be encouraged. He wanted to give them direction. And he wanted to tell them, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what you can expect. And he's talking from a point of authority because he himself was being persecuted. So he knew what he was talking about. This was in some textbook that he read, and he was passing on this knowledge to the church dispersed. He was talking from first-hand knowledge. And what does he say to them? Besides, hello. And then he could have continued with all sorts of platitudes. Let's look at Chapter 1, verses 2 to 5 of James. This might, be something, this might be the last thing that you want to hear, but this is what James says. And this is God's word. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, Lacking in nothing. He was aware. Not that there was a chance that they would face trials, but they were going to face trials. We are going to face trials. If we're going to be obedient to God. So, let's not debate that. When we face these trials, what are we going to do? Are we going to hide in the room? Are we going to let someone else carry out our responsibility? Are we going to stand up and be soldiers in God's army and do what is right? You know, there's a little debate going on in our country right now. And this debate, I am sure, occurred a few years back in Europe, in Canada, in America. These were areas where Christianity was strong. These are the areas, these are the countries and continents where the missionaries were sent to evangelize the world. And the discussion goes like this, it can be on many topics. You've got people who are supporting homosexuality. All sorts of sexual perversions. And we are supposed to swallow it hook, line, and sinker in the name of 
What's the word? Tolerance. And as far as these proponents and supporters are concerned, that's what the Bible teaches. When a man of God stands up and says, that is not what the Bible teaches. That's foolishness. That's rubbish. The response is, you're a fool. You're an idiot. You don't know what the Bible teaches. I will show you what the Bible teaches, if you need to know. And I will point to where you're supposed to be tolerant. You're supposed to be accepting of this behavior. Not that you aren't supposed to love these people, but you're supposed to be accepting of this behavior and give them special rights. There's one man in the wilderness. As God's people, we need to be aware of what's happening in our world. Support men of God. Or if we are called to stand up and speak, speak clearly, but speak the word of God. No matter what the cost is. We may not call to be Stephens and martyrs and give up our lives. But if that be the case, let's be willing to do that. And we aren't doing that for our children or for our spouses. But we're doing that for the glory of God. Because that's who we serve. And I use the term we purposely. Because it is an indictment on me. And if I am to live out my convictions, I have to abide by the same rules. And I covet your prayers in that regard. Because whenever someone stands for what the Lord requires, there will be suffering. There will be persecution. That's just the history of it. You ever heard about sweating bricks? Well, as I read James, I sweat bricks. Because it's a convicting book. All through James, what James is saying to the people dispersed is, no matter what happens, you have to stay faithful and you have to be obedient to the word of God. Whether he talks about speech, whether he talks about inquiring of God, it's always about being faithful and obedient. Never lose sight of that. Never become so comfortable that there's something that's between you and what God requires. Whatever we hold there is what the, is what the enemy is going to attack. So he may not require our life. He may not require our job. But whatever it is that you hold so dear, just make the decision that you're willing to give it up. Because God has something even greater for you. The same God that gave that to you can give you something else, can replace it. But what we need to do is make sure that our needs and our will is aligned with God's will and what he requires of us, what he wants for us. What he wants for us should be what we desperately need. 
So don't be surprised when the trials come. Expect them. Just realize we've got to deal with them. But also realize that we are soldiers in God's army. And it's not a weak army. We as Christians, we aren't a bunch of sissies. God has given us everything that we need to fight the war. Actually, in fact, believe it or not, we have the victory. The other side just don't know it yet. But until they know it, and they give up, one, we cannot give up, and we need to make sure that that word is spread abroad, as far and wide as possible. Now you may ask, well, what do we do? So Paul, what do we do? Well, my response is the same as James. Don't ask me. Let's see what James says in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Everyone in here has a Bible, right? Read God's Word. Not only when you're asked to look at it on a service on a Lord's Day, but delve into God's Word. It will tell you what needs to be done. What is required of you. It is going to be different from what's required of me. But what's required of you. And be honest when you read the Bible. Don't read the Bible to give you comfort in what you're doing. Read the Bible to find out what God requires. And do it. And don't wait, but do it. And do it straight away. Delayed obedience is no obedience at all. Let's look at um, verse 19 to 21. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What James is doing here is he's admonishing the church to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. In this case, self-control. When he says that every person be quick to hear, don't put your head in the sand. Seek and understand the signs of the times. What's happening around us? Because it says so in the press doesn't mean it's really so. Listen to everything and determine what is in fact truth. What do you say to do? Don't talk. Don't be angry. No. He says be slow to speak and be slow to anger. Let it be deliberate and let it be God-honoring. Don't respond because it makes you feel good. Because I need to vent. This is wrong, I need to vent. That isn't what he's saying here. He's saying, answer, respond in a godly fashion. 
So when we find a leader or a brother or a sister doing something that we consider wrong or we feel that we've been wrong, what is our response? I got to let him know in no uncertain terms. I have to get even. I got to make sure they never do this again. Well, having responded like that, have we built up our brother or our sister? Have we taught the leader anything? My position is no. Our response should be one. And it could even be a husband or a wife. Or a daughter or a son. Our response should always be something that shows the transforming love of God. It may require anger. It may require stiff speech. Or it may require self-sacrifice and swallowing our pride. But whatever it is, let it be what God requires and not what makes us comfortable. And let's not be silent because it's convenient. Let's be silent because that's God's direction. And let's be willing to speak up and speak up loudly because that's what God wants. But we have to be able to recognize with wisdom, and it's God's wisdom, what is the time for each response? Now, James also says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger to make us feel better is not what God requires. Anger to change the hearts of men is what God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. No matter what's going on about us, we have no excuse. We can't be blaming anyone for what's wrong in our lives. Get our lives right so that when we speak the word, it's backed up by who we are. There's no filthiness or rampant wickedness. Humble obedience should reign, recognizing our position in Christ, which has brought about our salvation. You know, today, Christians are brought before, Christians, Christian leaders, brought before the courts for rape. The divorce rate is just as high or higher than outside the church. Churches are being ripped apart by scandal. There's disunity everywhere. You find Christian leaders fighting one another. Young people say they can't find a godly example. Sweethearting, homosexuality, all kinds of perversions, rampant and tolerated. You find members who won't participate in the ministry because of some issue they have with another member. So God's work is supposed to be put on hold because they're upset with someone else. Now, how in the world are we going to present God to a lost world if we seem to be so lost ourselves? We have to get rid of the filth that's infecting us and that's filling us. Let's get rid of it and fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. 
so that God can be glorified. There's no other way. Now, we are at a serious crossroad. And we, as a people of God, we need to be willing to stand up and be counted, or we'll fall and be buried. And the judgment of God will rest on us and our children. So we need to decide this day who we will serve. We need to make sure that our lives reflect who we are. We are Christ's. It should be so obvious that a person doesn't have to question whether we are Christians or not. It will be so obvious by our speech, by our actions, by our love. We are God's soldiers. We need to put on the full armor, be ready to fight, not only be ready, but go out and fight. Fight the battle that we've won already. Let the world know that we've won. We can't be shy about it. We've got to be vocal. We've got to be strong. And we've got to be willing to sacrifice. We are going to face trials. So face them. Don't run for them. Because no matter where you run, if you name the name of Christ, you're going to face the trial anyway. Now, I'm going to look at this last verse. And this one speaks directly to me. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a warning to all of us. All of us that take up the word of God and decide that we're going to teach and we're going to preach. We have to search our very souls to make sure that we present something that's not corrupted. So when God's people hear us, they're hearing his word, undiluted, uncorrupted. Not for all purposes, because if it convicts us, we have to say it anyway. If it convicts God's people, if it convicts the unsaved, we have to say it anyway. It causes us to raise the bar, and we don't feel like jumping that high. We have to say it anyway. And not only do we have to say it, we have to live it. We have to lead by example. And that's a challenge that every Christian should take seriously. And I challenge everyone in this room, whenever they see me, whenever you see me doing something outside the word of God, you aren't doing me any favors by keeping it to yourself. I want to be the man that God wants me to be. I hope you want to be the man and the woman that God wants you to be. All that I can do is present to you God's word. And all I can do is ask you to govern yourself 
accordingly. As God's soldiers, let's stand up and be counted. Let our legacy be that we served our God and we served him well.